everybody. Super excited we get to be together right now. So, so thrilled for our opportunity to come together to worship Jesus, to get into God's word, but also for some of you to ask questions and just wonder uh, about God. A lot of people are wondering about God and reaching out and, and, and having uh, these desires to know, can I get closer? Is it real? So we love you're on too right now. So I just love we get to be together. But let me tell you something before we dive into tonight. Um, I would love to connect with you. I would love to interact with you. I would love for Crossroads to become your true church family, your true church home. And so we have a, a way to do that to make it real. It's called Next Step. It's Next Step with Pastor Chuck, that's me, and I'd love to have you do that with me together. I'm going to share some of my story. I want to share the story at Crossroads. I want to talk about how you can really, really uh, come to find this church to be your church home, no matter where you are. Some of you are watching in Canada now, Mexico now, Illinois, New York, uh, Washington, uh, Colorado, uh, and, and of course this area too. So here's the thing. Join me at Next Step. So you go to crossroadschurch.fam. Family, uh, crossroadschurch.family, and there it's a, just click on next step, and we'll give you all the information. We want to be with you, want to be a part. Do it this week. Do it this week and, and invite people to come with you. Uh, so I can't wait to be with you. Crossroadschurch.family and uh, sign up for next step. The other thing I want to tell you, we're going to try something very, very unique and different for the whole month of May. Now we've done this one time. But now we're going to try it all the month of May. And it's called Q&A in the month of May. Q&A in the month of May. And so I want to uh, take you Wednesday night, our Wednesday night service. We're going to worship. And, and then I want to um, take your questions. Uh, it's going to be different than Sundays. On Sundays, uh, we will actually be studying 2 Corinthians. Uh, so on Wednesday, it'll be unique service for the month of May where you get to ask your questions in the chat. I, <laughs> I, I don't know what they're going to be ahead of time. We're not setting it up. Uh, you get to ask. Uh, by the way, if you have non-Christian friends and want to ask questions, have them come ask questions. I'd love to have them there. But we want to answer your questions. And so you ask, and I'm going to take you to God's word and show you what it says and love being with you that way. So Q and A in the month of May on Wednesday nights, super, super special. Then next Tuesday night at eight o'clock, uh, I am going to be on Instagram Live, on our Crossroads Instagram Live with Dallas Jenkins. Dallas is the creator and the director of an incredible series called The Chosen. It's streaming right now on YouTube. I think it's one of the best things you could watch. And Dallas and I will be together. And I want to have you hear from him and hear about the show and some behind the scenes things. But, but it's going to be a blast. So eight o'clock Tuesday night, Instagram Live. Now, with all that being said, I feel like this is a season where we really need to laugh. You need it. I need it. And I thought, how can we make that happen? So I invited my friend, Nazareth, who's a professional comedian, but also a member of our Crossroads family. I asked him if he would come before we get in the word tonight and, and just share with you uh, his gift of comedy, his gift of joy. So right now in the chat, you got to do it in the chat because we can't hear you. Do it in the chat. Welcome, Nazareth. And we'll social distance. But yeah, right. okay. Social distance. <laughs> Hello. This is awesome that we can meet online, church online. I think we need to change the name of the churches to fit the online. Like uh, the Slow Connection Church of Christ, uh, Zoom Time Lutheran, uh, the Lazy Congregation Church, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of uh, Non-Essential Saints, 
a chapel of the sheltered brethren. Uh, we can call it all the six feet of separation church and the first Baptist of couch Corona. I think that would be great because things have changed. Like the government tells us we can't pump fist. Now we have to elbow. That's weird. How do you elbow someone? Do you look him in the eye when you do it? Do you, if they're older, do you do it like under their elbow? I don't know. And do you compliment them? Like, oh, nice 45 degree angle. Oh, that's awesome. Pointy, nice and pointy. Nice weenus. I don't know. But I know it's just been, I've been bored. I miss going to restaurants and sitting in there. The last time I went to a restaurant, it was, you know, I went to a restaurant. They had $35 for a breast of chicken. $35. The next day I went to Popeye Chicken. It was $1.99 for a breast of chicken. I bet you they come from two different farms. Like the one for the $35, you can go there and the chicken has an acre by itself and orhel feathers are like blow drying and fluffy. And she had this Botox uh, beak. You go to the one for the $1.99, you know, like they're missing a wing and, and they have ankle bracelets on their, on their fingers and they're smoking like, where's Walmart, man? That's why it smells like smoke because where's Walmart? But that's, uh, that's you know, I miss going out to restaurants and I, uh, I think, you know, with this sheltering in place, I'm so glad I have a good neighbor. My neighbor, Tony, he is amazing. I love that man. Every time I need something, I go to him. But he's not politically correct. Like the other day, I went and said, hey, Tony, can I, can I borrow one of those uh, Phillips uh, screwdrivers? He goes, what are you, making a bomb again? I'm like, you'll be the first to know in 10, 9, 8, 7. But don't worry, I got him back. You know, a week later, the Jehovah Witnesses came to my door, and I was like, uh, first time I opened the door, I'm like, I'm so glad you're here. My neighbor, Tony, was asking me. He wanted some faith in his life, and I didn't know what to tell him. He just pulled in. I know he's home, and he's hard of hearing. Just keep knocking. <laughs> Two days later, this guy from the solar salesman knocked on my door. He goes, your neighbor, Tony, said you wanted to save 50% on your electric bill. But it's so good. It, but sheltering in home, it gets boring. I am bored. The other day, I just sat in my car and I pretended I'm on the freeway stuck in traffic. You know, I followed Prince Charles on Instagram. You know, I had a, a staring contest with my turtle. And I read my accountant's biography. That's how bored I am. But you know, a lot of people are sitting home, and you know, in nine months from now, we're going to have babies. Yes, we're going to have babies. But their names have to be different, like, you know, Homie, Quarantino, Charmin, <laughs> Influenza, uh, Sandy Tizer, COVID Bryant, uh, Venny Tillater. I don't know. Because a lot of things have changed. Like, the, you know, even statements we make now mean something different. Like when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. No, when the going gets tough, the tough stays home. You know, when in Rome, do as the Romans. No, thank you. Birds of a feather flock together. No, they have to keep six feet apart. You know, the early bird gets a worm. No, the early bird gets a toilet paper at Costco. That's what happens to the early bird. But it's, uh, it's really, I, I just, uh, I love it. My wife is really having a hard time with this whole quarantining in place. Because my wife loves the mall. 
And whenever she goes to the mall, that's what relaxes her. And I really think malls are dangerous. We really have to be aware because even when they open the country again, they have to keep the malls closed. It's dangerous to go to the mall. But as a good husband, this is what I did for my wife. You know, I went in her closet and I picked up all the dresses that she forgot she bought and all the shoes she wore once and she forgot she had them. And then all the bars of soap and the candle that she get from anthropology whenever she can't find anything to buy. And I set them all downstairs, hanged them all up, put price tags on them. I took a sign and put it in front of the downstairs bathroom stairs, dressing room. And then I slashed the prices by 50%. And now my wife is happy. You should do that. I think it's amazing. Your wife will love you for it. But also, you know, my wife is on a diet. I don't know. You can't be on a diet when you're quarantining. That's the only thing you, you can have fun doing is eating. Because uh, so what happened is she's on this, it's called intermittent diet. She eats only from 10 in the morning to 6 in the evening. And, you know, if you're married and your wife is on a diet, you have to join her if you want to eat. So I joined her on the diet. So now, but I start on Eastern time and finish on Pacific. <laughs> I'm serious. It's just Because, you know, if you're a man and it's 11 at night, you're hungry. And salad is not going to cut it. I don't think salad will cut it for a man at 11 at night. Salad is when you're not hungry. You go, you know, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm not hungry. I'll have a salad. But no, you know, so I open the fridge every night. There's only salad. Well, the other day I opened the fridge and there was salad, but there was a cheesecake that my daughter, uh, you know, got from Cheesecake Factory. I was mad. I'm like, who brought the cheesecake? That's wrong. And I shut the door and I said, you know what? I'm just going to find out what kind of cheesecake it is. So I just opened it again and I kid you not, the cheesecake winked at me. She's like, you know, you want me. And I said, no, I can't, because if I eat it, I'm going to feel guilty tomorrow. I'm going to weigh myself. I'm going to feel horrible. No, I can't do it. And that's why I want to encourage you to read the Bible daily and memorize Bible verses. Because when you are tempted, the right verse will come to you and will really save you. And that's what happened to me. I opened the fridge and the verse came to me. Do not worry about tomorrow. So that's, that's what it is. And I, I just want to, you know, and I love Starbucks. I love Starbucks. But I don't like to go to the drive-thru of Starbucks. Because I like to go in and read the kinds of coffee they have. Because that's how I learned geography. We used to learn geography from wars and from fights. But now I learn about geography from Starbucks. Like, you know, the, they have one that's called, you know, like I met a guy from, I say, where are you from? He goes, I'm from Sumatra. I'm like, oh, which region? The regular or the decaf? Well, I'm Nazar. Thank you so much for your time. And I want to encourage you to keep on laughing because of this time, because God got this and we all need to laugh and be encouraged. I want to close with a quick story. It was told to me that this guy in Sweden, he was doing a contest, say, hey, uh, what's your biggest regret in life? Call me. 
And this guy called him and he said, my biggest regret when I was 12, I had this pet hamster that I, I loved him. His name is Hans. He said, but we decided, me and friends, what if we drop him in a parachute and see what happens? So he said, we made uh, a harness with a parachute and I put Hans on top of the six-story building in Copenhagen and I let him down. And my friends were waiting for him, for Hans to come down. And he started coming down. But then the wind picked up. And before you know it, Hans started going back up. So we ran down, and until we got to the edge of the island, Hans was gone in the cloud. And that's my biggest regret. And the story goes like, five minutes later, this lady calls the radio station screaming. You won't believe this. I used to live in the island right next to this last caller. And I begged my mom for a hamster. I was five years old. My mom said, over my dead body, you'll have a hamster in the house. If Jesus wants to give you a hamster, maybe Jesus can give you a hamster. And she said, the next day I was with my mom at the park, and Jesus drops a hamster in a parachute, and it landed right in my hands. That's what we call faith like a child. And I want to challenge you to have a faith like a child during this quarantining, during this pandemic, to know that God loves you and he has a plan for your life. I'm Comedian Nazareth, and keep on laughing. God bless you. Awesome job, Naz. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So good, so good. And uh, Naz also every night at 8 o'clock, I think it is, does comedy, 830 8.30 on his Facebook page, Facebook Live. I'd uh, love to have you going on that and uh, just be a part of that together. Uh, love his heart, love his care for people. And when we talk about keeping it real, um, Naz is somebody who really does keep it real. And uh, if you didn't know, we're in a series uh, that comes out of the letter to the Corinthians, the second letter to them called 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open those up. We're going to be studying from there. And, and I, there's some amazing truths I want you to know about. And, and it comes down to this. Paul was for real. Paul was for real. And I'm going to talk to you about Paul in a minute. But, but I've had people pretending to be me before. Matter of fact, just recently it happened again. Someone went on Instagram and had a Chuck Brewer account. It wasn't mine, by the way. It had pictures of me, pictures of my family, and uh, none of it's me. So I started getting messages that this person was contacting them, asking them uh, to be his friend, uh, saying he was me. I've had lots of people doing that. Uh, uh, one guy uh, put up a page and started asking people to give money. <laughs> okay, get ready for this. If you ever get a message from me asking for money, it's true. No, no, no. It's not true. It's not true. And, and yet, you know what? A lot of people in life are pretending all the time. They're pretending to be someone else. They're pretending not to be themselves. They're not being for real about their problems and struggles and, and, and challenges and, 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 and their mistakes and failures. And, and very often what happens is that takes away when they have that moment to overcome. And so Paul, Paul in this letter is being real. He's being real. He talks about the fact that he had, he had gone through a, a battle with despair and despondency. He had to fight that off and he got victory on the other side. In this letter, you're going to learn how to do that. In this letter, Paul will show us how to get there. And so I want you to know that sometimes we have struggles some of you right now probably are struggling. Some of you right now might be riding a roller coaster. I asked our staff how they were doing, and, and the number one response said, I feel like I'm on a roller coaster. 
There are days I'm up and I feel good and things are okay. And there are days I go down and I never know how low I'll go. And I don't know when I'll come out of it. And, and some of you are on a high right now. Praise God for that. Some of you might be on a low right now. Guess what? There's an answer. Jesus will get you back. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. If you don't know him and you're, he's a prayer away to come be with you. And so Paul said, I learned in that season how to overcome. And his lesson is our lesson. What he went through, I want you to know is true. Here's what he learned. He learned that God is the God of all comfort, even in sickness. Right now, that might be something you need to hear more than ever. God is the God of all comfort, even in sickness. He learned that God did not let him get beaten because a strength was put inside him called the Holy Spirit. God gave him the Holy Spirit so he would not be beaten. He had a strength that was beyond his strength and greater than his strength because God gave him that strength. So God gave him comfort. God gave him strength. And he said this, God gave me an answer. God gave me an answer in it. Right now, you might be feeling like, I don't even know what to do next. God will give you an answer. That's what this letter tells us. That, and you can know it's real. You can experience it. Yeah, you can have that be what happens in your life. And that's why I get so excited about sharing this with you. So in this crisis, uh, we're living in a crisis right now that has caused a, a lot of people to look and wonder about God. They're searching about God on Google. Uh, they're searching about God in Safari. Uh, and, and what I want to tell you is those are okay places to start, but you ought to go to the source. And that's the Bible. And when you go to the Bible, you're going to find God's answer in these kind of seasons. Now, what I want to tell you, those of you who are searching for God, you'll find that if you commit your life to Jesus, they'll become five unmistakable marks that you are really his that'll carry you through this time. We're going to look at those right now. You guys who are Christians, God wants you to experience these five truths about who you are and you'll shine out even more. So what happened is Paul said, I had this battle and got through it. And I learned there are five marks of a Christian that, that make a Christian unmistakable. Now, what are those five things? So kind of look at them with me and, and hopefully you'll say, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. If it's not, we want it to be. The power of the Holy Spirit can make it there. So what are those five things that God gives you that you can't get without him? The number one is unquenchable optimism. Unquenchable optimism. It can't be quenched. It can't be shut down. It can't be drowned. It can't be doused. It's going to fan up, flame up, fire up because God will give that to you. And it, if we see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Notice how it begins. But thanks be to God. He said, you know what? I was in a tough season and I said, thanks be to God. I was in a hard season. Part of what brought me through it is a thanks be to God. I want to read it in context, but come back to that. He said, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Now, now here's how he begins. Thanks be to God. That's called unquenchable 
optimism, unquenchable optimism. These are not just words. This is his attitude. This is his motivation. This is his paradigm, his perspective in life. And real Christians are thankful to God. They're thankful for the good. They're thankful for the challenge. They're thankful in the tough times. They're thankful in the praise times. They're thankful when they seems like nothing's going their way. They just thank God that they've got God in the midst of that. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 16 says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Look at this. In everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's God's will. God has a will for you. God has a will for me. Some things are unique to you and unique to me. But one thing that is for all of us, it's God's will that we always give thanks and we give thanks in everything. And in the end, you'll find out that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. And you can give thanks to God for that. You can be thanks to God. He'll never leave you or forsake you. You can give thanks to God that he gives a peace that passes understanding. You can give thanks to God. Something good is coming your way. Because, you know, here's the thing you need to know. Surely, it says this in Psalm 23, surely God's goodness and love will always follow after you. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Some of you have it right now. But if you want it, it's coming. It's coming your way from God to you because he loves you. I was watching a really uh, incredible psychologist on TV the other day talking about how we can have good mental health in this crisis. And I want you to listen to what she said. I mean, incredible. She knew her stuff. I turned to Pam and said, well, she knows her stuff. Here's what she said. One of the most powerful things you can do every single day is write down three things you're grateful for. One of the things she did say I love, she said, when you write it down, it becomes more real. Write down three things you're grateful for. Do you know what she was saying? She was saying you ought to be thankful. And as a Christian, it gets even better. As a follower of Christ, it goes even deeper. You get to say, thanks be to God, but thanks be to God. And, and you know what? You and I need to have that attitude, that unquenchable optimism that never gives up, never gives in. Uh, my favorite joke, and if you've been around me very long, you already know what it is. My all-time favorite joke is a psychologist was studying optimism, where you always look for the good and see the good, and pessimism, where you're more negative and you always look for the bad and, and, and tend to complain. And he found two little boys. One was optimistic, one was pessimistic. And he did an experiment with them. He took the little optimistic boy and he put him in a room filled with horse manure and locked the door and left him inside. He took the little pessimistic boy and put him in a room filled with toys and, and said, I'll be back in an hour and you can have whatever toy you want. Locked him in the room and left him in there. An hour later, he comes back where the little pessimistic boy was, the one who saw bad and everything. And he opened the door and at first he couldn't find him. And, and then, then he saw him sitting in the corner and he ran over to him and the little boy's crying. And he said, what's wrong, son? And he said, I don't like any of these toys. And even if I liked them and I play with them, I'd break them and I'd get in trouble. And he started to cry. And all of a sudden, the psychologist thought, you know what? Maybe it wasn't such a good idea to lock that other little boy in that room with the horse manure. And he ran over, wondering what he'd find, opening the door as fast as he could. And he looks in and here's this little eight-year-old boy. And he's got big wide eyes and a big smile on his face. And he's taking both hands and he's digging in the manure and throw it in the air, digging in the manure and throw it in the air. And, and the, the psychologist runs over and goes, son, what are you doing? And the little boy said, 
with all this manure in here, there's got to be a pony somewhere. Guys, you know why I like that joke? Not only do I think it's funny, <laughs> right now I really think it's funny. I don't know about you. In the chat, let me know, do you think it's funny? But I like it even more because it's true. There's a pony somewhere. Sometimes Pam and I, in the midst of a tough time, one of us will say it, got to look for the pony. And you know what Paul was saying in this moment? I fought a battle, but the whole time I said, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Hey guys, in this season, look for the pony. Look for the opportunity. Here's why. God makes an incredible promise to us. If you know God and if you love God, if you love God and you live your life according to his purpose, here's the, here's the promise. Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know, not think, you can know it to be true by faith and by experience that God causes all things, all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Hey, he does it. He always comes through. He always delivers. He always keeps his promise. And this is a promise. If you love God and you live your life according to his purpose, then God says, I will cause all things to work together for good. You might say this right now. I don't see how that could happen. Just get ready. A big miracle is coming. Look Look for the pony. Look for the pony in this. Don't give up. Don't give in. Go for it. And most of all, hey guys, let me just give you a really heartfelt advice. Don't complain. I'm going to tell you something that I've learned in, in the counseling training I've had. Complaining hurts your brain. Complaining hurts your brain. Uh, when you begin to complain, it affects your brain, it programs your brain. It's neurological. Praise actually affects your brain. Thankfulness affects your brain. But it, it's neurological too. And right now, don't give in to that complaining side, that downside, that pessimistic side. Let, let God's spirit move and you'll have unquenchable optimism. But we're not ever, ever, ever to complain. In Philippians chapter two, it says this, do all things, notice not some things, all things without grumbling or complaining or disputing. And then when you do that, an effect happens. Notice this, so that. So that means when you do what I told you, something's going to occur so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perver uh, perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. You know, there's a lot of things going on that aren't good right now. And I know that I'm not hiding from it. There's a lot of struggles and challenges and heartache and pain. Complaining won't help. Complaining won't make it better. Being grateful. Having a contagious optimism. Pointing people to a God who never fails and always comes through. And thanking him in the good times, in the bad times. That's what will make the difference. That psychologist I heard was right and I know what works and it's true. So what am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to choose to praise God and thank God at all times. I also want you to memorize those two verses I gave you. Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or complaining. Memorize that, memorize that and, and, and actually take it all in. Or the 1 Thessalonians 5.16 to 18 uh, that tells us that it's God's will that in everything we give thanks. So Memorize these passages and, and, and quote them to yourself daily. Quote them to yourself daily. By the way, some of you might be brand new to all this. So let me tell you something you may not know is that we know in counseling 
that it, how you think affects how you act and affects how you feel. So how do we change those down feelings? We got to change your thinking. And memorizing scripture is a researched, proven way to change your thinking. But God promises us that if you continue in his word, you'll know a truth that will set you free. Jesus said that. And so when you memorize scripture, it actually isn't just about memorizing scripture. It, that helps your brain too. It's so wild that God does that and it works. So I want you to be a part of that. I know some of you might be asking right now, well, Pastor Chuck, Crossroads can't meet in its building. Pastor Chuck, don't you have challenges too? Is this easy for you? And there are days that it's not, but get ready for this. I see so much good. I walk around going, but thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So you might be saying, well, can you give me a couple of the thanks be to God things, that unquenchable optimism thing? Let me give you one that I love. I think our society has finally realized what is important and what is not. I really think we have. And I think we finally got it that it's about servants, not celebrity. I'm not anti the celebrities or the sports figures or any of the people that are making it in, in movies or whatever. You know, praise God. I hope they do great. But they're never the ones that should be our heroes. The hero is the servant. The hero is the first responder, the nurse, the doctor, uh, uh, the physician's assistant, uh, people who are willing to go in a hospital and clean it. Uh, the first, the heroes to me are grocery store workers and, and delivery drivers and, and people who are willing to go. Not usually not for big pay. I'm going to ask you a question. Get ready for an amen. How many of them are making big pay? And you know what? They're risking their lives. Those are heroes. And people are getting it. People are getting it. It's about servant, not celebrity. Give me some amen. It's about servant, not celebrity. Give me some of those amens in the chat because it's real. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that. So the first mark is unquenchable optimism. The second mark is the next one, unvarying success. We have unquenchable optimism. Why? Because we never in the end will fail. We'll always succeed if you're a Christian. Uh, by the way, that's a promise of God. And back in 2 Corinthians, it says this, but thanks be to God, unquenchable optimism, who always, not sometimes, not an occasion, not for some and not for others, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. By the way, you ready for this? Thanks be to God, unquenchable optimism, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. These are words said by a man who bore the brand marks of Christ, uh, Christ on his body. Uh, you might wonder what I mean by that. Paul was scarred. Paul was beaten. Paul, Paul had his eyes hurt somehow in a damaging way. Uh, people tried to kill him and stone him and, and, and driven him out. He almost died in the sea. His body showed the pain he went through for Jesus. And you know what he said? Those are the brand marks of Christ. He said, but I want to tell you something. In the end, I've always won. In the end, I always win because of Jesus. I, I'm always going to be in triumph because of Christ. And Jesus will always lead me there and get me there. So we may have struggles right now, but you're going to win. You're going to win. If you're following Christ and with Christ, you're going to win. I promise you, you are. Uh, you may right now have hardship or tears but you're ultimately going to overcome and conquer. Uh, Romans chapter eight, Paul again, the same man who lived for Jesus with everything he had. He says this, but in all these things, notice the word all again. 
But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer. Not just conquer, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. He said, you know what? In the end, we overwhelmingly win. And, and you can have that. So every problem is going to become an opportunity. Uh, I, some of you have heard about what happened. And according to what I read, this is John F. Kennedy brought this out and before he, uh, and when he was uh, speaking in Indiana, in Indianapolis, Indiana. And he said this, John F. Kennedy said that the Chinese letters that for crisis... The Chinese letters for crisis are danger, but also opportunity. So a crisis like we're in right now, we're in a crisis. Uh, this crisis would be, according to these Chinese letters, uh, an opportunity for danger or an opportunity for opportunity. Now, now here's, I, I did some research. Technically, that's not true. Now, I hate to disagree with John F. Kennedy, he pretty much was right, but it was not quite what he said, but it might be better. Get ready. Because the, the letters actually are danger, but it's not opportunity. It's that this part of the Chinese lettering actually has the idea of being put into opportunity. In other words, if you don't get what I'm saying, it's not specifically opportunity. Uh, uh, it, it's actually kind of a hidden opportunity. Maybe that's better. So a crisis could have danger to it, but there's a hidden opportunity somewhere. Right now, there's a hidden opportunity for you, for your marriage, for your friendships, for your family, for your kids. Right now, there is one for this church. Right now, there is one for my wife and I and, and our family. And, and right now, there's a hidden opportunity here. And so I want you to know that in this crisis, if you trust in God and commit yourself to God, you may discover something that, that'll be so incredible, you can't believe it. Now, I'm gonna go back to Paul. He wrote 2 Corinthians. Uh, Paul wrote the book of Romans. He wrote most of the New Testament. And of course, because he was so influential for Christ at a time that it was illegal to be a Christian, he was arrested. And when he was arrested, he was put in a house arrest. Uh, it was very interesting house arrest. Uh, uh, he was sheltered in and he couldn't leave. He was, he was locked in. So he was locked in, in house arrest, but the way he was guarded was by a group called the Praetorian Guard. Now the Praetorian Guard were the elite soldiers of Rome. They, they were the, the special forces of Rome. They also, more often than not, were either the best uh, soldier or they were the son uh, of one of the most influential senators or leaders in Rome. So what happens? These are the influencers of influencers. They were the kingmakers. And Paul was guarded by them. So what looked like danger, what looked like defeat, what looked like prison turned into an incredible opportunity. I, I want you to look what happens uh, according to Paul. He's writing a letter from prison, this house arrest prison, his being sheltered in moment in Philippians chapter one. And he says this, now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater uh, progress of the gospel uh, so that my imprisonment in the uh, cause of Christ uh, will become known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and everyone else. Now look at this again. My being put in house arrest, my being sheltered in, quarantined, will turn out to an incredible benefit to the, to the cause of Christ because it's being known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard. 
Now, now catch that. If Paul wanted to go share Christ with the elite of Rome, they would not have listened to him. But now these guys were locked in a house with Paul. We know this, they were chained to Paul, except when he slept, one of them had to be chained to him. <laughs> you may not think this is funny. I, I, here's how I picture it. Uh, the guards are coming in in the morning going, did you get your assignment? And one of the guys goes, oh man, I got Paul. And the other guy's going, no, he won't shut up. He keeps talking about Jesus. You're going to be chained to him all day. I, I bet Paul was sitting there going, come on, buddy. Come on. Uh, lock me in. Lock me in. And then Paul got him and they couldn't leave. And do you know what we know historically? Some of them did become Christians. He began to reach the leaders of Rome. It was part of God's plan. What looked like a crisis and danger was an opportunity to be the greatest influence that would probably uh, be one of the key factors in causing Christianity to overtake the Roman Empire and become the leading belief system in just a few, a short period of time. Uh, it's interesting how this goes on to talk about it. At the very end of this letter, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 22, uh, it says this in Philippians 4, 22, all the saints greet you, look at this, especially those of Caesar's household. Nero's nephew became a Christian. Nero's wife becomes a Christian. And it looks like, we, we can't be 100% sure, but it looks like Paul led Nero's nephew to the Lord who led Nero's, Nero's wife to the Lord. Nero was the head of the Roman Empire at that time. He was the Caesar in that moment, but he became a maniac. He actually killed his wife and killed his nephew and other Christians. But Paul, Paul set off, get ready for it, get ready for it, set off a chain reaction when he was chained to the Praetorian Guard. <laughs> That's what I call a chain reaction, get it? And, and in this moment, man, there's an opportunity somewhere. Look for the pony, look for the victory, look for the fact that we will have unvarying success, unvarying success right now. Uh, by the way, I believe this church is having that. Uh, I felt like God was using us to influence our area in a pretty powerful way. But let me tell you what's happened. I want to show you a map. Right now, since we have had to go online only, this is all the places, all the blue are the places around the world where people have become a part of our online family. Uh, some of you right now are watching in Canada and Mexico. I know that. Uh, in, in, the, in the morning slots, we're watching people. We've had people watching Russia and France and Germany, uh, in Sri Lanka, uh, in Australia, in most of South America. Uh, we have a big group watching in Michigan, uh, uh, and, and in Washington. And, 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 and so look at that. Almost every state in the United States, most of South America, the gospel, and we're the, not the only church doing this, but this is Crossroads. We have gone. Our ministry went all, all over. Man, this pandemic, which caused so many to panic, fanned the flames of the message of Jesus and hope and love and we've watched people in most of the states of the United States make decisions for Christ. That could happen to you tonight. Some of you watching in Illinois or, or Colorado or, or some of the other states, this could be your moment. And we could actually truly be your church family. And, and I look at what's going on right now, and, and I say this, you know what? What looked like a crisis became an opportunity. And we right now feel like we're experiencing unvarying success, unvarying success. So that's number two. Number three is 
the five marks of a Christian, number three, is an unforgettable impact. An unforgettable impact. Look how Paul talks about it here. He says, uh, our lives are a fragrance. We, uh, a fragrance is a smell presented by Christ to God, but this fragrance is perceived differently by those being saved and by those perishing. Some people feel one way about Christianity, some feel another. Just like some people think one fragrance smells good, someone else doesn't think it smells good. To those who are perishing, we are a fearful smell of death and doom. To people who aren't Christians, and they don't want anything to do with it, I mean, they're the ones who are going to hit uh, that they don't like the message. And by the way, I don't mind that. That's okay. That growing number of people who don't like them, you know what? Man, I'm, I still want to interact with you and love on you. But some people are saying, I love it. But those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for all of this? And so what he's saying is we make an unforgettable impact on people. Um, I think it's kind of interesting that one of the symptoms that you have the coronavirus is you lose your sense of smell. One of the symptoms is lose your sense of smell. So uh, the past few days, I quit wearing deodorant. I'm not wearing deodorant. So Pam goes, what's that smell? And I go, babe, you're okay. I just know you're okay. I'm doing it for you out of love. <laughs> that would not work really. That wouldn't work really. But here's the thing I want you to know is that there's been times I've walked in the house and smelled something cooking and I was like, oh, that's incredible. And some people feel that way about Christians today. I think a lot of people feel that way about our church today. They feel like we are that fragrance of Christ making a very real difference. And, and, and you know what? Because we're giving iPads to children in hospitals who have no contact with their family. So now they can FaceTime. We're, we're giving masks to nurses in North Carolina and in Loma Linda, right here in California and in UCI and in and, and all the hospitals that we can around here so that they can have safety and protection. And to grocery store workers, uh, we were able to give hundreds of masks so they could be protected and I think a lot of them are going, a lot of them are going, man, that's, a while. that's what I believe Jesus would do. And, and the hundreds of people were feeding and people were rescuing for sex trafficking. And by the way, let me say this. We were a part of teaming up to rescue a young girl from sex trafficking who's pregnant. She would have lost her baby, but now she has delivered her child and she's going to be okay and the baby's going to be okay and she's free. And in this season... That's the fragrance of Christ spreading all around the world. And, and, and we love that we get to make that kind of a difference in people's lives. And so we want to make an impact. Not everyone's going to like it. Not everyone's going to love it. But we want to be a part of that. And then number four, unimpeachable integrity. Unimpeachable integrity. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.17. He says, for we are not like many peddling the word of God. We're not selling the word of God. But as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. Now, let me tell you what he's saying. Um, if you are, are brand new, you, you probably are going to discover something pretty soon. All the Crossroads people get ready to say amen. I'd love it in the chat. I always preach the truth, whether you like it or not. There are lots of times people are going to get offended. Lots of times people aren't going to like it. But I'm going to preach the Bible whether people like it or not. Do I get an amen? Do I get a bunch of amens? And, and by the way, it's not because I'm trying to be mean, but I am not trying to sell something. Jesus is awesome. 
I want you to know who he is. The Bible's true. I want you to know all of it. And this is a church that's never going to hide from anything. We believe in God and we believe in his word. And we're not going to do anything to take away from the sincerity of the scriptures. And again, some people love that. But I can promise you it will happen. Some people don't like it. But one of the signs of a real Christian, a genuine Christian, is they're not going to lack sincerity. They're not going to lack integrity. We're going to be truthful and honest, whether people like it or not. We're going to be kind and truthful. We're going to be loving and clear. But a mark of a real Christian is we're going to tell the truth. And we're going to tell you what God's word says. I'm going to tell you flat out, get ready for this, that Jesus Christ is the only way and the truth and the life. And there's no other way to go to God the Father than him. The Bible says it. Jesus said it. I believe it. It's true. And you know what? You could disagree. You'd just be wrong. And I want you to know God wants you to have a way to heaven. He wants you to have his love, but you only find that through Jesus. And what causes you and I not to have that initially is this thing called sin. Why are many prayers not answered? This thing called sin. Isaiah chapter 59 says, God's arms are not so short he cannot save, nor his ear dull that it can't hear, but your sins have separated you. Some of you said, but I prayed and I never got an answer. Then you need to come to Jesus so your sins can be forgiven. You need to confess the fact you're a sinner. You need to confess the fact that you do mean things, you think mean things, and it's time to change. But part of the same truth of that unimpeachable message is that, you know what? You can change in Christ. He'll give you the power. He'll give you the love. He'll show you the way, and he wants you to know it. What leads us to this last part here, the fifth mark of a real Christian, undeniable reality. Undeniable reality. You know what? I want to tell you something flat out. I'm not perfect, I, I, and I think and if you don't know that, I'm not. But I can tell you this, I've changed. People who knew me before I was a Christian till afterwards, I've changed. And they, there's no other way to explain that monumental change in who I am other than Jesus himself. I, I've got to tell you, when I first became a Christian, uh, my friends were like, no way. Like Chuck, he's the last person who'd be a Christian. But they kept seeing I was living it, living it, living it. And now all these years later, I even not about a couple years ago, one of those guys I bumped into and he said, dude, I just couldn't believe it's true. But after all these years, it's true. And it's Jesus. Jesus changed me. And that's the undeniable reality that he changes you. He frees you. He heals you. Look what Paul says about that. He says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? He goes, when I talk about the change that God did in my life, the success I have, the optimism I have, he said, am I bragging about me? He goes, no. Or do we need as some letters of condemnation to you or from you? Do we need to get a letter that says I'm for real? He said, no. Why? Because you, Crossroads you, and me too, but God, Crossroads you, you are our letter written in our heart, known and read by all men. Now, you know what he's saying? Sometimes you have to have, you no, know, is it real? Is it real? Is it real? And the answer is look at the changed lives of people who committed themselves to Jesus. Probably the number one question people have is not, is the Bible true? We get that one. Probably more often that question is, does it work? And here's the answer, it does. Does it work when you're in the worst situation in your life? Yes. Does it work when all hope is lost? Yes. Does it work when you're laying in bed at night and, and you think, I, don't, I just want to hide? 
from what's coming my way. Will Jesus and the truths he brings work? Yes. And it works for you. It's for you. It's for me. It's for everybody. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It works. I'm a different person today. And I love my life way better today than if I had gone my own way. And I could promise you, there's a lot of other people who are putting in the chat, me too, me too, me too. So let me talk to you who are not right now in a relationship with Jesus that's real. Please listen, don't tune me out. Please listen. Jesus loves you and Jesus cares about you. Right now, if you're struggling with being addicted to something, it might be alcohol or drugs. By the way, some of you are addicted to anger. I'm finding that being more than ever before. People can't get away from anger and, 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 and wrecking relationships and ruining people and, and ruining your own hopes. You can be free from that. Some of you are carrying a grudge from somebody who hurt you. You can be free from that. Some of you can't forgive yourself. There's someone out there right now, I believe this. You right now, you can't forgive yourself. But here's the thing, it doesn't do any good to hold on to it. Jesus died on the cross to take it away. Let him take it away and free you. Uh, There's some of you right now, you, you are afraid and he'll give you courage. Some of you right now are in the midst of despair. He'll give you peace. Uh, Some of you are so sad. Wouldn't it feel good to have his joy? His love, his joy, his peace. He died on the cross to take all that away from you so you might have new life. But what he wants you to do is to commit yourself to him as, as Lord and Savior. Lord means he's the maximum authority. You'll do what he tells you to do. Savior means he'll save you from all of that. And then he'll pour his love in you and he'll cause you in reality to be a child of God so that you know God. You know God is your father. You know Jesus in a very personal, real way. But you gotta commit your life to him. So what I'm gonna do right now is I'm gonna lead a prayer. I'm gonna lead a prayer for some of you to pray where you could say yes to Jesus. For the first time you could say yes to Jesus, to recommit. But I'm gonna ask you to do this. I want this prayer to be real. I want it to have truth to it. So I want you to grab your cell phones right now. And if you're going to pray this prayer with me, I want you to go to the messages, the text messages. And I want you to text AMEN to 69922. So in the two sections, 69922. But I want you to text AMEN. So if you're going to pray this prayer with me, text AMEN. If you're going to pray it for the very first time, maybe you've never really walked with Jesus or known Jesus, and, and, and now's your opportunity. No matter where you are, we want to know you and care about you. Text amen. Let me know you're for real, and you're going to do this. Text amen right now to 69922. Some of you need to pray this to recommit your life. You need to, to come back to the Lord. And, and you used to know him. You used to love him. This is your chance to do that text amen right now, meaning I'm going to pray that prayer. I'm going to mean it. You might want to turn to somebody else in the room and say, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray the prayer. Come on, let's get out our phone. Others of you might say, let's do it together. Some of you might want to do it as a husband and wife together. And and both of you text amen and say, this is it. Our marriage is going into the hands of God. So right now, right now, text amen. Text amen. 
so that we can just pray this prayer and it's real. The word amen means the truth. The word amen means truly. And in this moment, I know God loves you and cares about you. Some need that freedom. You need that freedom from that past. Whoever it is out there, I know you need to hear this. He doesn't want you to hold on to this. Text amen. And right now, in this moment, we'll pray and we'll see you be freed from that. Some of you need to be freed from some things that are hurting you and harming you, uh, self-harm even. Text amen and come. Some of you right now, you need to find those promises to be true. Text amen. So right now, text amen. Right now, text amen. And man, I'm just so excited. I get to pray with you and have you experience God and, and we want you to do it. So all of you who did it, all you who text amen, Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. And I pray that you'll free me from anything that will hold me down or hold me back. But most of all, pray this, say most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. Say those words. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. Take me now and make me yours in Jesus' name. And get ready. Amen. 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 And for some reason you haven't texted it yet, go ahead and text it to us. We want to get in contact with you. We want to share some things with you to make your life better and, and to help you know more about God. And we want to connect with you. We want to know you. So right now, text that in. Also, we want to remind you about Next Step. I'd love to have you in that with me. Just go to crossroadschurch.family and you can sign up for that. But right now, Casey has some closing thoughts I want you to hear. Hey, thanks again for watching this message. I think we should make this an every week thing. So I want to invite you to gather your family and friends to be part of our extended family by joining us right here online again next week. We're going to be live on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. or Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. So hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on a new message from Crossroads. If you found yourself thinking, I wish so-and-so was watching this right now, then all you have to do is hit that share button and send it to them so they can be encouraged. And finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads, and if you want to be part of making an impact all over the world, you can text GIVING to 699-22 to make a financial gift today. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you again next week.